You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Friday, the 28th of August, 2020. Thank you all for tuning in on tonight's program. We're going to be dealing with, as I've put up in a couple of places you probably know, we're going to be talking about Francis Chan and that video that was kind of circulating about a week ago. I knew about it, um, but I uh, finished off a project, so I kind of left it for a few days. But um, I suppose in some ways... I was hoping it was a slip of the tongue, but I, I digress. I think it's more of a a worrying trend, shall we say, with uh, Francis Chan. Uh, I, again, I'm covering this again, and sometimes I wonder when I'll stop covering it. I think the, the point at which I'll stop covering issues related to Francis Chan will come soon enough, I think. But as of right now, I think it's very sim- symptomatic, we could say, of what's happening in a lot of younger millennial type Christianity, very naive, um, and, and I'm trying to more w- warn about a tendency rather than a specific person. Now, before we get into that, we're going to read um, some of Psalm 26, some of Psalm 26 before we begin, and... Um, some people were telling me that they found it an encouragement to go through the Psalms at the beginning. And again, I probably should spend a bit of time as well, you know, if for anybody who's new to the program or anything else like that, that we talk about Psalm singing and maybe how we can get into that. And just to encourage you again, don't have a Psalter right in front of me. Oh, I do just across the road. <laughs> um, but if you want to sing through the Psalms, you can't just take up a regular Bible, and you could, but it's not going to sound the great, greatest. You need something that's in meter. The original Hebrew, you could sing that, but when you translate it into English or whatever language you're dealing with, the flow ain't, ain't quite there in such a way that you're going to sing it. And that's what the Psalms were for. They were there for singing, obviously, for preaching through and everything else, and, and seeing Christ uh, as... Colossians 3.16 tells us this is the word of Christ's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That is, you know, the 150 um, psalms, as we call them, but they're psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, we'll go through just... No, we'll read all of it. We'll read all of it. Psalm 27. Before we do, we'll, we'll pray to Almighty God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the one who is in complete control of all things. O Lord, you are righteous and holy. And Lord, we pray that the reading and meditating upon your word at the beginning of this program may bless all those listening. Please guide us, please lead us, and may your face shine upon us. May we exalt your name on high during this program. In Jesus' name we now pray. Amen. 
Amen. Psalm 27, let us hear God's word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breed out violence. I would have lost heart, unless I had believed, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. May the Lord bless his word. Greetings, everybody who's listening to the program, and very pertinent um, with everything that's going on to look at the topic of courage. And we got to be careful what we think about courage. Courage is not it's not being divisive. It's not being contentious for the sake of being contentious. It's standing for the truth and not losing hope. And no matter what is happening, you are looking and hoping in the Lord. And you have the attitude, we're not going to read the entire thing again, obviously, but we'll just make a few points on Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And that's the thing. If the Lord is our protector, if the Lord is our high tower, why would we fear? But the thing is, our faith often is weak. Our faith is never what it should be. Our faith is the empty hand upon which we lay hold upon salvation, but it is not based upon our faith. We say in the Reformed faith, on Christianity in general, that faith is the instrumental cause of salvation. It's the instrument. Jesus Christ is the cause of salvation. He is the reason why any of us are saved. He lived, he died, and he rose again. And only those who are regenerated and born again of the Spirit of God 
will ever come to him. So salvation is of the Lord. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of that in the midst of things that will make us fear. And we all fear various times, not least of all over the last few months. But we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. No matter what comes against us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then in times of trouble, skipping down to verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And we, we need to understand our relationship to God if we're in Jesus Christ, if we're in union with Christ, that we understand that the Lord loves the prayers of the saints and that he delights in his children because of the merits of Christ. And if we have a right understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus and what Christ has purchased for us in our place, then we will more gladly go before the throne of grace asking for his help. Not thinking we're pestering him or anything else like that, but the Lord delights in the petitions of his saints, brought in the name of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we need to come humbly before the throne of grace. We need to come realizing who he is, bringing our petitions before him. And, and as in the Lord's prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, that we see that he is the one who has all power. And we seek that he would have mercy upon us, that he would, that covenant love, the, the Hebrew word chesed, that, that it's translated different ways in different translations. Some will say steadfast love or, or loyal love. The older translations will say mercy. The NKJV I'm using here says mercy. So that covenantal love, that special mercy, that caring that the Lord has for his special people. The more we depend on him, the better, and the less we'll fear other things. And we should seek the face of the Lord. There's so many things I could say about this, but for the sake of our topic, we're going to have to... Mm, sadly, it's it, this is a wonderful psalm, and I'd encourage you all to sing through it. To sing through it. Get a 1650 Psalter or one of the other well-translated Psalters that are around and sing to God's praise. We'll just leave it with this. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that's not easy. It's not easy to wait. We're impatient. We get everything instantaneously. We live in a, in a time waiting is seen as a bad thing. But wait upon the Lord. Trust him. Be of good courage courage. Now, we're going to get on to our main topic now, which is dealing with Francis Chan. Unfortunately, again, I've said before, I don't know how, how many more, I've done quite a number of programs over the last, how long? I read his book, it was a couple of years ago, and he's still very influential. And I kind of want to deal with this video by itself, but Francis Chan over the last couple of years has become under more and more influence of the charismatic movement. And he's also come under the influence of ecumenical movements, which have included 
the Church of Rome. He accepts the Church of Rome as, as a truly legitimate church, sadly. Um, he has come under the influence of both. And his theology is a bit of a mishmash. One of the problems with critiquing Francis Chan is this. You might find another video after I critique this that might critique, that might contradict all of this. And this is one of the problems with Francis Chan. And I, one of the reasons he's so popular, he kind of doesn't really say anything. And he just, well, you know, there's so many things wrong with the church. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. And then, and then he'll lift up his Bible and say, well, you know, we're just not like this, man. He just, I'm sorry, but he just said... <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, we're not like the Bible at times. We're we're not perfect. Yeah, we get that. We need to repent in places. And his solution years ago was leaving his church because it seemed like his church wasn't perfect or whatever the case may be. And I was concerned. That was the first time I'd ever heard of him years ago when he left his that big mega church that he was pastoring. And when I heard the reasons why he was leaving, I thought in my head if he if he keeps going in this direction he's never going to be satisfied with anything and be very very careful with anybody if you're on this direction and you're every single five minutes and everything's not perfect enough for you and then you have to move on to the next place well number one you're not suited for ministry you never last five minutes in ministry so yeah. Anyway, let's get into the video. Let's let's critique it and his concerning top comments. Today's program, we're going to be mainly dealing with some comments, and we're going to look at the whole context of the entire video to try and be fair to him. But he's. It seems like he has slipped toward a type of charismatic heresy relating to what some people will call the little God's theology that we are in some way a little God. Okay. But we'll play it, we'll critique it, and not try not to put any words in his mouth. So when I was in my early 30s, it was like the busiest season of my life. You know, thousands of people coming to the church, I had a few kids, and my life was just busy, and I, I just felt like, ah, but everything in me wants to get away and be with God, because I've never been on a trip where it's just me and Jesus. So I went out into the woods for four days, just alone with him. I didn't talk to another human being. I didn't see another human being. It was just me and God talking and reading his word. And I'm... Okay, I don't... I always say this. I don't want to be stopping every five minutes. Okay. I'm not against somebody getting away. And uh, for some people, that might be necessary to completely cut yourself off. For some people, it may be wrong, okay? Um, if you're a pastor of a church and people need to contact you or something like that. I think sometimes when we get into this realm of, I don't know, following your emotions, I don't feel like I'm close enough to God and something like that, you can kind of end up, how to put it, end up in some form of monasticism. Now, I'm never saying that you should never do this. Um... But you got to be careful. We're, we're not isolated. 
or not to be isolated. Got a bit of feedback there in the microphone. I don't know why that happened. Um, we're not to be isolated. We're a body. Okay. So there may come times of prayer and fasting needed. But I would emphasize that you also need to do it with the body. And um, I, I kind of just fear this this brand of rampant emotionalism. Now, I think the church needs to pray more. I think the church needs to, we need, you know, in the last few months, we should have been praying a lot more, fasting a lot more, and a lot of different things. But we need to do it in the body. We need to not be following our emotions all the time, and we need to be scriptural about it. There are times, there are ways we can pray, we can do all these things and not drop all of our responsibilities. Okay, this is a, this is incredibly attractive to mil this is I, I say this because this is incredibly attractive to millennials who when they get to hey this is difficult hey I feel called and led in this direction and then you have a holy a Christianizing excuse to run. This is one of the reasons I critique them so much because I see a lot of this tendency in young people. I, I had some of these tendencies about. Uh, you know, probably 10, 8 years ago, quitting things, hopping around the place, you know, all this kind of thing. When I first got saved, I dropped out of my college course. I, but that was bad news. That was, I should have kept going with my college course. I might finish my degree. But it's good not to be rash. And it's good to talk to people. Um. If I've noticed anything with Francis Chen, he seems to do the exact opposite of all the advice he gets, but I digress. I'm continue. I'm telling you, it changed my life. It really did. And I got to this passage in Jeremiah chapter 1. The first day, my Bible just kind of opened up to Jeremiah 1. And I, when I got to verse 5, I was just blown away by it because it says some things that I had never heard before where God looks at Jeremiah and said, before I created you, I knew you. Man, I remember the first time I read that, I'm like, wait, before he made me, he knew me? And then he says to Jeremiah, before you came out of your mother's womb, I consecrated you and I determined that you would be a prophet to the nations. I appointed you a prophet before you came out of your mother's womb. The reason why that's such a big deal is I start thinking, God, is this true of me? Did you seriously know that you were going to make me and that you have things for me to do? Like he made Jeremiah because he knew there were things. There's a certain sense in which um, he's, made every, he's made everybody. Uh, but that is specifically talking about of course, he's, he's formed everybody, and his decree goes forth from before the foundations of the world. God is unchanging and unchangeable. So there's a sense in which, of course, this applies to everybody, but it also applies to those in hell. You know, it talks in Romans 9 of those fitted for destruction. So we've got to be careful how we approach that. We got to be careful in what context is he talking about that? He said, 
Okay, Jeremiah 1.4. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. That is specifically to Jeremiah. Now, there's also other application that can be made to people set apart to preach the gospel. You could apply it in that way. You know, there's a calling. It's a lot more subjective now. We don't hear the audible voice of God, but there is that calling of God. We, we believe, you know, for the ministry. Again, you know, it's like over a period of time, you, you pray about it and you realize that you're not going to have any peace until you submit to God and go into the ministry. You don't go into the ministry because you want to, or because you've got a particularly good voice or whatever the case may be, or that people like you, you do it because God wants you to go in there. So there is that, there is that application there. Okay. But this is speaking directly about Jeremiah. Whenever, okay. Whenever we're going through the narratives in the old Testament, we got to realize one thing primarily yeah it is talking about things that happened etc and so on but it's primarily dealing with god it's talking about the magnificence of god primarily of course these are instructions also to jeremiah but it's primarily talking about god as in god knew from before the foundation of the world before and he's saying to jeremiah before i formed i knew you so this is primarily about the magnificence of God, not the wonderful how special you are, Jeremiah. No, no, it's a holy office and a special because of God and because of what God does. And very, very quickly, if you're struggling with anything in the Old Testament, think of it as this. It is there to teach you primarily other things as well, but primarily how God interacts with these people. And it's there to teach you about God. It, it that peels away some errors when we're coming into stuff like this. Need to be done on the earth that he was going to need in 30, 40, 50 years. So I'm going to make this person for that task. It's like in Ephesians 2 when he says, We are his workmanship and we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he determined beforehand that we should walk in them. I remember when I first got that, I'm going, no way. So God, you knew what you were doing when you made me. And, and you knew that, that, that there were things on the earth that needed to get done. And that's why you made me. And you made me for those things. This is such an important truth for us right now. That means that God knew that you and I would be in Hong Kong right now during the time of the protest, during the time of the pandemic. And he says, there's something you're supposed to do. I made you for this time. Do you believe that about yourself? Because I'm telling Again, you can take this. <laughs> He's quoted different types of passages. He's quoted Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which is talking about a born-again believer will produce good works. Why will he produce good works? Because of God. Um, Jeremiah 1.5 is he is a prophet to the nations with a specific pr prophetic ministry to, to pull down, to, pull, to build up through the preaching of the word of God. And why is he able to do that? Because of God. Um, we've been created 
you know, in Christ Jesus, all those verses spoken about, I think he was, I can't remember off the top of my head, was Ephesians chapter 1. Again, that's talking about God. God does these things. God brings, brings us, brings his people into him. And these things are possible because of God. It's not, do you see how special you are? And this is the direction he's going with this. Do you see how amazing you are? You've been created for this moment, and God has got something amazing for you to do. So you better make sure you're doing something amazing, not something boring. God, you know, can't be something boring. That's a dangerous way to think about things because, um, you know what? There's one Jeremiah in history. There's one Paul, the apostle, and there's one you, and there's one me. We're all different. Some people will be in front of people, and some people won't. Some of the most godly saints probably won't get a lot of credit this side of eternity. And will do things in the background. They'll, they'll visit the sick. They'll encourage people. They pray. They do all this kind of stuff. And they go to work. And they live normal lives, but they love God. There's no room for that. There's very little room for that. Now, I'm not saying you should be lethargic. You should be active in evangelism. You should pray more. You should read your Bible more. All for that. But just this, this form of Christianity, it's just mindless abandonment most of the time. That's the way I would describe it you i started to forget these truths i started listening to what other people say about me and what i think about myself rather than what god says in his word about me that i'm not destined to this average life and just just kind of survive this time just get through well sometimes it's it's not going to be that interesting joseph when he was in prison in egypt I'm, I'm, I dare say before he was let out of prison, his life wasn't that interesting. <laughs> so whether it's ordinary or not, by what standard, okay? We may suffer greatly and be in the, and not necessarily be a very obvious member of the body, but serve where you're meant to serve. I think the point I'm making is Francis Chan is, I suppose nobody, I, I've never heard of anybody calling him a particularly good exegete of the scriptures, but this kind of, this kind of talking, and, and you get this from people like John Piper as well, not to the same degree, but elements of it as well. You're going to just be discontent with everything. And you're going around and you're just going to go, oh, it's, it's not exciting enough. So therefore I'm not really serving God in the way I'm supposed to be. Pick, just say, right, you are a cleaner in a, in a school. You do the best job you can. You'd be the best employee. employee. You work hard. You're respectful to your boss because you respect the fifth commandment. And you also pray for your boss to come to Christ. And they see that your life points towards Christ. 
And when your church is doing evangelism, you do evangelism. When you have opportunities to, to share the gospel, you share the gospel. Being faithful where you are. I fear this type of stuff because I think because we, we have a world, years ago I suppose this wasn't such a big issue, but now we have a world where if you want to, well, pre-COVID at least, move around the place, you're discontent, so you've always got a spiritual reason why you need to move on. Because you got the money, you got the means. Now there are times when it's wise to move church, but not as often as you would think, or not as often as we should. No, I made you for, for something so special. It's like when Moses was like, whoa, but I don't speak well. And God says, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. You're saying I messed up when I made your mouth? What about everybody else in Egypt? They're not, they're not mentioned, okay? Yeah, Moses was there to lead. He was there to intercede. Um, I'm just trying to point out, it's not all... Not everybody's going to be a Moses or a Paul or a Jeremiah. Let's get things in perspective. Oh, look at ourselves and think about all the things we can't do well. And God says, no, I put you here at this time. Man, sometimes we have like this disconnect where we read the Bible and we go, oh, isn't the story of Esther so awesome? Or she just goes, I think I was made for such a time as this. We go, yeah, Esther. But then we don't believe it about ourselves. Because that was for Esther. Okay. Now, there's a sense in which, yes, of course, we're here where we're at, but I was made for such a time as this. That could easily, again, apply for the person who's cleaning the school and being faithful and goes to the same church and labors maybe in a church that is not going as well as some people may expect it to go, but they, they're faithful, they're witnessing, and under the radar, quote-unquote, they are praying and they're being... They're not looking... Again, if you think that everybody's going to... You're, you're going to be like Moses, or you mentioning all these people, or an Esther... <laughs> Okay, there was one Esther in history. One. Again, you're going to lead to discontentment. And everybody then wants leadership roles. And everybody... How about we all have this attitude of we will serve submissively. We'll go wherever the Lord wants us. And we should be in a kind of a case where we don't want to be front and center. I know you probably go, oh, says the guy who does the radio program and does YouTube channels and all this guys. <laughs> but that it is that we're worried more about him and not about us. We're not worried about all this kind of stuff. I see people who talk like this and they're discontent. They're not happy with their, you know, themselves and they move around and then they have to be doing some special ministry every time they're in a church or something like that. Just serve. Go to the church. See where you can be a blessing. Again, not everybody's an Esther. And look, the Lord may, at a time, there was a time, um, one of the most significant men in, in Scottish church history, Alexander Henderson, 
I did a program before him, and he was in the he was in the background, not a main figure for a long time, like twenty years, twenty some years in his ministry. And later, then after all that time, didn't seek the limelight, didn't seek anything else, and then I believe the Lord used that time for such a time as that. But it's not going to be the same. You're not like looking for the. How does this say? See, I don't want to say we're not looking for the wow because all of Christianity is wonderful. Going to church is wonderful. Listening to the word of God preached is wonderful. Prayer is wonderful. Singing the Psalms is wonderful. Fellowship with the saints is wonderful and joyful. And talk like this doesn't really help that. We don't believe. Wait, I was made for this time. You guys, we have to believe these things. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you and I could live ordinary lives. He died so that... So that we could be amazing? Um, he died to save us from our sins. It depends how you define ordinary and extraordinary. Ordinary is being a sinner. Not ordinary, if you want to put it like that, is someone who is different from the world because they've been born again of the Spirit of God. And you know what? The world thinks they're foolish. Depends how you define it. My soul could be cleansed so that my body could become completely clean so that His Holy Spirit would enter into me. And just like I wouldn't dare ever refer to Jesus as just an ordinary guy. Okay, this is where it gets a little bit weird. Okay, from four minutes onward. I want to play it a second time just so we don't misrepresent him in any way. We have form. to believe these things. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you and I could live ordinary lives. He died so that my soul could be cleansed, so that my body could become completely clean. So, so comp he's talking about first... He died so my soul could be completely clean. Now, what happens at the point at conversion when we've repented and believed in Jesus Christ? Justification. We lay hold upon Christ and we are in union with Christ and declared righteous before the Father in Jesus. Now, we're not completely sanctified this side of eternity. What happens here? Yes, we are regenerated. Yes, from the point of sanctification, we are made holy internally, but not perfectly. That's sanctification. We're still sinners. You gotta be very careful how you explain this because he's not explaining it very well. That's the best way you could say it. The, the nicest thing you could say about Francis Chan right now, he's a poor teacher. He is a poor, confusing teacher who lives a very poor and confusing ministry that for some reason everybody wants to get in the I don't get it at the best and it's going to get a lot worse in a second in glorification in the future when we go to we're, we're going to get a resurrected body then all sin will be removed from us that his Holy Spirit would enter into me now, yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in all believers, 
but were, from the point of view of justification, declared righteous based on the merits of Christ. Important not to mix those up because you'd wonder, question mark, is this him being influenced by Roman, Roman Catholics and or Charismatics at times? Like I wouldn't dare ever refer to Jesus as just an ordinary guy. None of us would. Like, are you kidding me? He was a man and somehow he was God all at once. You can't call him ordinary. But don't you understand? That's what he's saying about us now. Uh, okay. Nope. Right now you're looking at a person who is not just a person. Somehow God is in me and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Okay, that is the thing that was causing some of the controversy. And um, I'm trying to think of how you can misspeak to get to this point. I have at times speaking in front of people there's times you misspeak okay and it's important that you're not we're not trying to catch something aha you, you know you misspeak and you know in a debate and you catch somebody saying two plus two is four aha the guy's stupid and, or five sorry <laughs> you know you're not looking for that blunder or the minute where your brain goes but I'm finding it very hard to think you know what this is him misspeaking because it's consistent. Now, what he's going to have to do at this point is walk that back. We're going to, I'm going to play it again. That he's, that he's not saying something as blasphemous as saying, and somehow I am man and God. He's clearly implying, and his whole argument up to this point has built to this point of, I'm more than man. And his argument is based on Jesus being more than man. Okay. Jesus is, is and was true man and true God. Let's make this simple. None of us, we're all true man, but none of us are true God. What we can have attributed to our account is the righteousness of Christ, not the divinity of Christ. And something as basic as a Christological error like this, I find it hard to fathom of, because this is stuff, the guys he's hanging around with, it's hard to not bring that into the discussion. I'm trying to rack my brains. He... He is hanging around a lot of word or faith people. He's hanging around with a lot of people he shouldn't be hanging around with. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It, it's going to affect you. We're going to play it again. I want to be very, very careful. And I'm going to play that minute again. We're going to go through it. I am not trying here to get and again. Hey, gotcha moments, right? I hope, by God's grace, this will help if people either, they're kind of scratching their heads, but I don't know what Francis said there. That's not, no, something's not quite right there. Or the people who have Francis Chan tendencies, which is a lot of people. 
churches are filled with, I want to say Francis Chan, not in a theological heresy like that, but I'm talking about in terms of church hopping, moving around the place, just no kind of, and always some spiritualized reason why they got to move on. That's pretty destructive to the church. So anyway, let's play that section again. On the cross so that you and I could live ordinary lives. He died so that my soul could be cleansed, so that my body could become completely clean, so that His Holy Spirit would enter into me. And just like I wouldn't dare ever refer to Jesus as just an ordinary guy. Okay, think of the line of his argument here. Okay, I wouldn't dare to say that Jesus is an ordinary guy. Okay, he's not an ordinary guy. He's God. Okay. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5 is not God. Uh, Paul was never God, or that important, ever, okay? So, completely different, <laughs> okay? Um, we may have important roles, godly, you know, holy offices, and things may be done through people, you know, Esther and all that kind of thing, but it happens because of the sovereign purpose of God. And the Lord uses means to bring about his purposes. So, okay, we wouldn't dare say Jesus is ordinary. Yeah, okay. None of us would. Like, are you kidding me? He was a man. Now, the only thing is, if you say, if you're trying to say, well, he's not ordinary, so therefore I'm not ordinary. You just made him ordinary. He's not like any other man. Now, we got to be careful about it, this here because um, it's very easy in, to swing from one extreme to the other. He's, Jesus was and is today just as much flesh, just as human, just as, as any other person, except without sin, of course. The, di the major difference is God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He existed before the foundation of the world. I didn't. So, why are you... This seems like something in your first discipleship course ever. So, hey, you know what you should never, ever do? Compare yourself to God. Because it's kind of like, and it's still not quite the best analogy you can come up with, comparing an ant to an elephant. Actually, the, the distance is even greater, but anyway. And somehow, he was God all at once. You can't call him ordinary. But don't you understand? That's what he's saying about us now. Like right now, you're looking at a person who is not just a person. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but that doesn't make us God. At all. And again, following your argument, you're make th these are arguments that you hear in the charismatic movement. Okay, I'm going to try and give Francis Chan the benefit of the doubt. He is an awful teacher. 
should not be teaching, needs to step down. And if you go into errors like this, you should never teach. Okay. So, well, maybe it was a mistake. You make mistakes like this, you shouldn't be teaching. Ever. This is a, this is a Christological heresy. And he, he said, in some way, Jesus was, you know, was and is, and he's compared, I don't even like to say it, okay? And then he said, in the same way I, what? Of course he's going to say, if you really push him and ask him, and he's like, do you think you're God? He's going to say no. But, this, like, he has been hanging around certain circles. I've lost count with how many heretics he's been hanging out with for the last couple of years. This isn't a new trajectory at all. Um, but it's consistent with his thinking. He's, his theology is squishy. He's popular because he, he says nothing. He actually says nothing. He just, you know, the church is bad, man. And, you know, we're just, you know, it's, it's all wrong. And we got, surely we should be better. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, it should be better. Yeah, yeah, woo. Yeah, we're all like, yeah, it should be better. And, um, yeah, we all agree. We'd all like things to be better. You get Eastern Orthodox, you get Roman Catholics, you get even Muslims. You know, it's, oh, we, we like everything to be better. Okay, what? It's like, it was like, we should be like this book. And he never explains it. Look back over his old videos from even from years ago. Read his books. I'm sorry, I have a pro. If people like that stuff, Ask yourself why. He he never defines anything. He'll point out a problem that everybody will have a problem with. And then say, well, you know, we gotta... And people like people like that. Because they can fill in the blank with their own stuff. And I'm gonna give them the benefit of doubt as much as possible here. As in, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's very naive. The alternative is far worse. Okay? <laughs> the alternative is far worse. That is the nicest thing you can say. He's very naive. He listens to people. He's manipulated by people, etc. and so on. Not a person you should be being taught by. Might not sound nice, but it is then... What else can you say when somebody gets into error like this? It's like, oh, I think he's a believer. I'm not getting in. You know when people, I hate when people get into debates about whether this person's a believer. Do you think Billy Graham is in heaven or in... Oh, seriously. No, just forget those discussions, right? Critique the person. Okay? Try and do it as lovingly as possible. But this is heresy. I hope he walks it back. I hope he says, you know, this is... Whoa, I don't know what I was saying. Please, if anybody's around Francis Chan, hopefully they'll just kind of go, uh, you, you, did you really mean what you said? That? Because this is, um, this is kind of a continuation of the same pattern that has been going on for years. He's getting more and more like his charismatic friends. He's hanging around with Mike Bickle. He loves Mike Bickle. Something's wrong if you love Mike Bickle. Something's deeply wrong. Now, there's always 
people that people will like and you're going to why does that person like that teacher I, I don't get it and there might be fantastic teachers and they just don't see the blind spots or whatever i'm no fan of i don't know T tim keller or something like that but i know a lot of people i have huge respect for or fantastic writers and teachers and all that like tim keller and i'm like okay we disagree on him well that, that's fine it's not the end of the world but then there's people like mike bickle Something's a bit wrong there when... Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's get back to where we were. His spirit dwells inside of me. It makes no sense then if my life resembles a person who does not have the Holy Spirit in them. Look at your life now. Is it ordinary? You guys, we have to be careful. I'd also wonder, he's not very clear, but I'd wonder if he's gone into sinless perfectionism a la kind of, um, who's the guy with the dreadlocks? Um, Todd White. It does sound a little bit like that, but he's not, I, I don't want to say that he's saying that. It, it's possible. It just sounds like completely cleansed. You're completely like Jesus. If you're not, or, you know, if you're not living ordinary, you know what I'm saying of this because in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38, it says, my righteous one shall live by faith. And listen to this, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Oh, I hate that phrase. God says, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And it's important whenever we go through passages like that, we kind of give a context. Uh, it's not to say that anytime you fall into sin, now usually this never gets explained by people, but well, at least people in, in this kind of genre, you know, where you've got uh, apologies about the, the terrible music in the background, but there's no way of getting rid of it. And it's there in the video. It's part of the video. Um, What do you say at times I'm after losing my train of thought? I'm going to go back a few seconds. No pleasure in him. Yeah. Um, so the danger is you're going to get some sweet, tender-hearted person may backslide, may fall into some kind of sin, especially if they're new, newly born again or something like that. And I go, am I even a Christian? And... Okay, that is true, but it's, the context is someone who apostatizes and turns away from him. Never been born again, produces no fruit. It can sound like that you need some kind of sinless perfectionism, or God is just, God doesn't, God doesn't love you at all. Oh, I hate that phrase. God says, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God, that is the last thing I would want. You guys, it, it, it makes me think about uh, the 12 spies in Exodus. Remember how, how 
they're, they're sent into the promised land, the, the, the promised land where God says, I promise you, this is your inheritance. And you got Joshua and Caleb, they come back and go, man, the place was amazing. But then the other 10 spies, they said, there's no way. There is no way we can pull this off. Think about it. These guys were huge and there were so many of them. We're not just going to walk in and take over their land. See, they started reasoning. They started using their own logic and going, wow, look at them, look at us. This isn't going to work. And remember, God gets furious with them. And he says, yeah, yeah. And there's times when there's chastening and chastisement and there's covenant blessings and covenant cursings that goes right back to uh, Leviticus chapter 26. And yeah. We also have to distinguish if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it never gets to the point where there's no pleasure in you because you're in Christ Jesus. But he will chasten a true believer as a, a loving father corrects his child whom he loves. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 8. Again, it's very important that we're just we're thinking about... Look, look, this is something I didn't really think about nearly as much as I ought to have until I started attending college, Bible college, and um, I realized where my preaching was not serving certain people. And it lacked pastorally in certain places. And I still have a lot of work to do and et cetera and so on. But the thing about the ministers out there, and if you're one-on-one, -on -one, think about those people ministering to them who... There are some people who need a stern word but they're usually people hardened hearts and they're living in sin and they might be living with their partner outside of wedlock and there's horrible stuff, you know, stuff that you have in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But when you have somebody who's just coming with the word of God and just kind of go, hmm, here's a Christian video. Oh, Francis Chan, I think I'll stick him on. And, and you start listening and you go, oh, my life is kind of boring. Yeah, really? Oh, I, I, I got to be doing something more special than this. Oh, I, I, I sinned yesterday. Oh, does God hate me? You, you know what I mean? And this isn't... And, you know, you add the bit of music and you get, get the emotions going and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You could say it frustrates me. Every one of you are going to die in the wilderness now. Because you didn't believe my word. Because of lack of faith. There were some people, rebels, and read the end of, uh, was it Hebrews chapter 3, started chapter 4. They did not enter in because of unbelief. Some of them, not all Israel, were of Israel. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 6. I told you, with me, you could do this. And you didn't believe me. So all of you will die. Except Joshua and Caleb. They're going to the promised land with me. Man, I read that story and I, I just look at my life. I go, God, I don't want to be one that trusts my own logic over what you have said in your word. I want to believe this. Man, remember what Jesus promised. Jesus promised. He says, I'm going to build my church 
and the gates of hell won't stand against us. He promised that one day he would build a church that was so united where their love was going to be off the charts like what no one had ever seen and that they would do these miracles, these supernatural things. Man, and, and that's exactly what happened. Man, you read the, the, about the church in Acts 2 and Acts 4, and it talks about how they were of one mind, one heart, one spirit. He goes, all... Just want to point out, uh, this is a kind of a danger of, you know, Christianity. Uh, what makes the Christianity great? Your, perfor your, your performance. Not a great and mighty God, of course, uses people, but carry carrying out amazing things, bringing multitudes into the kingdom. God gets the glory. It's not like, oh, look at all the things we're doing. Again, it's, it's the wrong focus. All the people, man, they didn't consider, not a single one of them considered their own possessions their own. Like, this is mine, this is mine, this is No, they go, no, they, whatever. Whoever had a need, they would take care of it. And it says there was not a single needy person among them. Because whenever someone needed something, someone would sell and give it to them. And they walked around with this fearlessness, this boldness. And, and it says that miracles began to happen and everyone, everyone was feeling a sense of awe. Now many of us, we read that passage and go, man, I wish I could live in that church. I, I, I believe that could happen today. There's, and then there's others that go, well, that can't happen. That was just for that time. But I don't even want to get into that right now. My bigger concern is that there are people who don't want that to happen today. Honestly, do you really want to be a part of that kind of church? Where you are so intimately woven with others and your family, and you look at all your possessions and go, I could care less about this stuff. I care. Um, if you're born again, spiritually, you already are part of that church. And if you're part of the outward church, you are imperfectly because we're all saints. If you find the perfect church where this is true, what Francis Chan is talking about is true. Do not join it because you're going to, you're going to ruin it. And this is the frustrating yeah, man, you want to be part of the most perfect church ever. You know, we're going to make everything perfect and you're going to be perfect. Okay, yes, the standard by which we should aim towards is the standard of Almighty God, which is perfect, okay? But also we have to point out our limitations, which are we're sinners. We don't accept that. We don't say, oh, well, it's okay, we're sinners and all that. But at the same time, we have to have both of these truths. Uh, some people call it the already and not yet. You know, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of the term, but I can see its usefulness. You know, the already, you're, we're not there in the fullness of the kingdom. Not yet. Already here, you know, in between those two worlds. Not the fullness of the kingdom. And, uh, and the thing is with a lot of charismatic theology is, they act like the fullness of the kingdom is here now, not to come in the new heavens and the new earth. Without you, I care about the mission, that kind of church. Because there's so many people who go, well, 
I really don't want to share my stuff with everyone. I kind of like having my own stuff. I like having privacy. And also in that early church, I read about suffering and I am not going to suffer. And there have been people like this all through the centuries. Well, look, you will suffer. It's like, how much do you have to suffer to be a faithful Christian? Depends where you live. If you live in the middle, all who live godly will suffer persecution. It's not like you're seeking it. It's at the end of Psalm 120. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. So by living godly, you will suffer. But it's not like you're trying to go, I got to suffer a certain amount or else my Christianity is not valid or, you know, how much do you have to suffer? How much do you have to, how much do you have to work? How much do you have to wrong, wrong, wrong focus? Focus should be on Christ and loving Christ and out of a love for Christ overflows a love for God and a love for neighbor as yourself. This breeds nothing but dissatisfaction. They don't want to suffer for following Christ. They don't want the commitment that Christ calls them to. They really don't want to live like that first New Testament church. And that's why by the time the, the, the church was passed on to our generation. Do you know who that includes as well, by the way? Todd White, who's rich. He ain't suffering. It morphed into, oh, church is a place you go to. It's a building for an hour a week. You sing three songs, you listen to a message, you go home and come back the next week. And many of us would read this book and go. I don't, I really, you know, this is, this really irritates me because he denigrates preaching so often. He has a very low view of preaching. He's like, does somebody want to get up and listen to me, get into the middle of the room and speak? And, you know, you go to a building, you go for an hour and you go home. No, no, it's called worship of Almighty God. And you should show some respect for that. You see, this is another symptom of modern church is like we've got such a low opinion of worship that when we come before almighty god oh that that's all church is that's pretty amazing but how about rather than whinging and complaining and all this kind of stuff how about some practical things that a person can do to grow in christ rather than all this things aren't right man you know this kind of stuff look We've got to prepare our hearts before we go to church. Try and read a little bit more. Pray a little bit more on a Sabbath morning before you go to church. Spend more of the Sabbath reading Christian books or whatever the case may be. Try and discontinue certain things that are drawing your, your mind away from practical stuff rather than just... Hey, you know, you want this amazing Christianity and, you know, well, I'm just going to whinge about how everybody's not doing it. Why don't we do this? He's been doing this shtick for years. And then. Does he provide any practical. Help. You're not going to help your church if you're talking like this, if you're thinking like this. Be a blessing. There are defects, there are faults in every church. The purest churches on earth are subject 
to Mick Schirner, the Westminster Confession of Faith. If you're looking for this perfect church he's talking about, it doesn't exist, and you will wreck your own church, probably. Encourage people. Maybe you meet together for prayer, or it's not as pop, pop you know, or possible anymore. Maybe you can read, you know, pray outside or something like with COVID and all that kind of stuff. Encourage people. Still, you know, he might come across as nice, but he's still beating people over the head for all the stuff that they're not doing. Anyway doesn't make any sense that's not what i seen here but it was almost like what do we do we can't change these last few hundred years i mean this is this is what people think of church now you can't just tell people hey stop gathering and calling that church so i'm just going to a building for a week and calling it no one's going to believe us how could we change things and then the virus hit and then this time of isolation happened and suddenly people are starting to think. And we have a decision to make right now. See, some are thinking, wow, this is even better. I can sit in my living room and watch it on screen. So let's just reduce church even more. Now it's not even an hour in a building. I don't like when people talk like this. You don't know that people are doing that. I'm sure somebody somewhere is, right? And if somebody talks like that, you rebuke them. But you don't know that when somebody is isolating, by the way, you should never, ever, ever, ever think about this, about another church that, you know, went into isolation or whatever the case may be, especially from a few months ago. It's a bit different now. We know a bit more now, but still that you're better than them kind of mentality. Oh yeah. Well, oh yay. You see all those people happy to comply with the government. Well, that was because they, they don't want to go to church at all. That is a satanic way to think about your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sorry, you should never, ever do it. How many churches are in, you know, there's possibly tensions after everybody started coming back to church? Because be very wary about your tongue. Think the best of people. They want to get back to church. Now, if... Someone is demonstrating over and over again that they, they just don't want to go to church. Okay, okay, that's that's a little different. But to say, you know, people were jumping on. It's wrong. It's just divisive, and we shouldn't be saying it about about each other. Loads of people want to go to church, and we're sad when they couldn't go to church back in April, back in whenever it was earlier on. Now I can just watch it on my computer and go further from what God says his church was meant to be. But then there's others of us. Man, I've talked to so many people, especially in Hong Kong, that, that are so sad about those who are dying with this pandemic, but they're so excited about what's happening in the church because they're going, I think God's taken us on a journey. I think that he's going to use this time so that we actually think through what does it mean to be the church. And when this, when this uh, isolation period is done, I don't want to just run back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to that controlled environment. 
I think God's leading us to something new. Man, it, it, it's like, it's like. It's always something new if you're just, okay, there's two, there's two, ex we should never be content where we are in one sense, as in we want to grow closer to God and we don't want to be content in our sin. But we've got to be careful about being discontent with what God has given us. And that's all he presents. Take us on this journey to new places, experience new things. And others are like, well, I want to stay close to my neighborhood, though. Can I just, you know, keep it around here? Or, or Jesus, can't we just get a couple of treadmills in my house where I can turn on the air conditioning and there's no danger? And we just run together and have a, a conversation for the rest of my life till I die? And God said, man, come with me. I'm taking the church somewhere. Man, we have this window of opportunity. And I really believe. Try and listen and see if you can hear any practical something to do. Or if it's just, hey, here all, here's all the stuff that's wrong. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That Hong Kong has an opportunity to be an example to the church and the rest of the world. The reason why I say that is Hong Kong people should know of all the people on the earth that we as a... I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I didn't even know where he was, but uh, it's pretty clear he's doing this from Hong Kong and he's somehow ministering in Hong Kong. And until he possibly gets sick of Hong Kong, because <laughs> that's what happens with certain people. They get bored of things and then they move on. To the way it was. Because we're changing. And our future, in some ways, is set. We just don't know how, how long we have. And we know the church has to change. We know there needs to be a more resilient form of his church. So how is the church supposed to change? Is the church supposed to teach this little God's heresy, the, this Christological error at the beginning of the video, about four and a half minutes into the video? Or is it supposed to teach that Rome Catholicism was right on the trans on transubstantiation or that that error that he's been teaching what where exactly would francis like it to change of course that's never explained because he would you know that would be being specific you might ask me well how do i think the church needs to change yeah i do um more emphasis on the word of god preaching i think we need you know, you could talk very generally. We need to be praying more, especially in the West. Okay, there's a bit of right, pray more. You know, set up more prayer meetings, things like that. Um, seek for more meetings in general. To hear the word of God preached and singing together. You know, not, you know, maybe gather with a few friends every now and again and and sing the psalms together. Or a lot of practical things you can do where we can meet together more. Okay, times like this, probably out, outdoors, maybe more, depending on, on the restrictions and whatnot. How, how do I think the church needs to change? Doctrinally, of course, I'm Reformed, so I'm going to think more Reformed. And you want to know what that means? Read a shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Westminster Shorter... Uh, the, the Westminster... Confession of faith went out of my, my head there for a second. And there should be reform in worship. 
towards psalm singing. Very concrete things. Rather than, we just know, we know things need to change. We know, okay, tell us. Tell us what needs, tell me, something concrete that you think needs to change now. Well, we got to love each other more. Okay, yeah, I think we all agree we got to love each other more. Um, what else? that will make it through anything. Man, this, this isolation period shows us how unprepared we were. I mean, imagine if we didn't have the internet. Man, what would we even do? This is our time for leaders to start equipping people so that they can survive in any context. And we can set the example of this to where even if we're not allowed to gather ever again, it's okay because we've been equipped and we know the Word of God, and we know how to make disciples, and we know how to gather our friends together and break bread and experience the presence of God and love it, love it, love it. Man. Well, you, you need the minister of the gospel to, what, sacraments, but I digress. His ecclesiology is just, it's all get together in houses, and I don't think he has really much of an ecclesiology. Isn't there a part of you that knows your life has looked too normal? Man, I just want to challenge you right now. Yeah, my life's boring. I love it. <laughs> I love my life. Like, seriously, I'm okay. It might be kind of boring to... By what standard? Boring? Uh, got a wonderful wife. I got two wonderful children. Got a dog and a cat. That might seem boring to people, but I don't care. There's a lot of country pastors who go, if you're actually listening to this guy, it, could you imagine if the church actually listened to this guy? You'd probably have a load of ministers in small country congregations. And go, oh, oh, this doesn't seem exciting. I think I'm going to quit. Yeah, you know, if the church really listened to Francis Chan, it would be a nightmare. So don't. Be thankful. Here's the thing. Does God want you there? And it's not an isolation. God uses people. God uses his church. Um, for example, missionary work, just say, I think I feel really called to go to a certain place. Well, yeah, I might feel really called. I might pray about it. But unless the church sends me there, that's the biblical pattern, by the way, If it's God's will, and God really wants you out there, you think that's going to stop? No. So the Lord will lead his people and everything else and provide the opportunities, but it's not just like, mm, I've got a Bernie in my bosom, I'm just going to jump in a flight and there, that's it. And that's classified as spiritual. Even have the opportunity to make things normal again. I challenge you to truly get into the presence of Almighty God. Don't just close your eyes and pray some token prayer. I mean, really come into the presence of God and say to Him, God, I believe. I believe you made me for this time. And my life has looked way too ordinary, way too much like people who don't have your Holy Spirit in them. And that has to change. 
And I believe your church is destined for something so much greater. But when is it going to be extraordinary enough? Where, when do you get to that point where it's not ordinary anymore? Some of the most godly ministers, if you read the biographies, they did the same thing week in and week out. And praise God, because they kept laboring, they kept plowing that field, and over many decades, there was fruit in certain communities. Oh, but French, you know, he knows how it is. It just needs to be extraordinary. Based on what exactly? And you want to use me, and you made me for this. So speak to me now, God. Show me what you want me to do this week this day in this season because i was pick up a bible read the ten commandments obey god that's it now there are other specifics like where you get a job and all that kind of stuff you pray over a period of time you know this whole thing what do you want me to do obey him learn about the law of god don't make any idols repent where you where there's sin and serve god where you are Rather than, where do I need to go? It, it, it's like we act like, you know what? I'm in the wrong place. I need to get somewhere else because I'm not serving God unless I'm in Timbuktu. <laughs> Serve him where you are. Right now, where you are in your church, grow in the Lord. And maybe down the line, you might grow into a role that may become clear with wise people around you. Fine. But not just kind of, where am I supposed to be? You know. Made for this. And I am not going back to Egypt. I am not going back to a normal life. Okay, so, look, I, I wouldn't normally go through all of that, but I... Um, I, it's not just that he slips into, okay, the heresies are bad. But take the heresies out. You take that horrible four minutes to five minutes section out and it's still horrible. And that stuff he's been saying for years and you know what we need to do? We need to learn about more about the gospel and what Christ has done for his people. You know what? You're never enough. You're not nearly enough. I'm not nearly enough. Praise God. You know what? And that's okay. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not to look perpetually on ourselves like some kind of a narcissist, but just look to Christ. Rejoice in him. Course, repent, be changed more and more to the image of his son. But this kind of stuff, it's not good and it doesn't lead in a good direction. God bless you all. Talk to you again soon.